بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا أنزلناه في ليلة القدر وما أدراك ما ليلة القدر ليلة القدر خير من ألف شهر تنزل الملائكة والروح فيها بإذن ربهم من كل أمر سلام هي حتى مطلع الفجر Finally the day is coming upon us that everybody waits for or we're supposed to wait for which is the Laylatul Qadr Laylatul Qadr will generally come in the last 10 days of the month the virtues of the last 10 days the ramadan itself has many virtues and you've been probably listening to that for the last you know few weeks and from before ramadan to get us into the mode of ramadan but it all starts culminating towards the last 10 days that's when everything starts getting more intensified and that's we learn that from the life of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam Aisha radiyallahu anha, she kind of highlights how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa used to be in those last 10 days. كَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِذَا دَخَرَ الْعَشْرِ شَدَّ مِئْزَرَةِ وَأَحْيَا لَيْلَةِ وَأَيْقَضَ أَهْلَةِ He would do three things. Uh, these are just three, gen, uh, three main activities, though there's a lot of other things that he would do that are within these things. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa when the last 10 days would enter, he would tie his... He would tie his lower garment well. That could be taken literally, it could be taken also metaphorically, symbolically, in the sense that you tie your garment properly so that you can win the race, so that you don't have any kind of failings in between. So it's just intensifying the struggle and being prepared for it. So there could be several meanings for that. And he used to enliven his nights. Ahya Layla, he used to enliven his nights. Interestingly, it didn't say that he spent his entire night. It doesn't necessarily say that. But it says he used to enliven his night. So generally people sleep at night. In those days, at these people used to sleep at night. Nowadays, people do other things at night as well. There's too many activities that can be done at night. But in those days, people just slept. So if somebody is staying awake, then there's a reason they're staying awake. Uh, for a good reason. And number three, he would actually wake his family up in this time as well, which seems like a unique thing that this is what he would do, especially during these last 10 days. He would wake them up as well. The other thing, I'm just going to mention, I mean, where are we going to learn this from? Let's just look at the Prophet ﷺ first, then we'll discuss um, if there's something specific to us. Number two, the Prophet ﷺ would enter into i'tikaf in these last 10 days, a retreat in the masjid where you can't go out except for emergencies then the i'tikaf would break. But it's a, you can say, a perpetual sunnah for the Prophet ﷺ to have done i'tikaf pretty much every single year. And it's not related that the Prophet ﷺ ever missed his i'tikaf, except uh, when being out on an expedition somewhere. For jihad or for other reasons, if he was out on an expedition, he was not at home. That's the only time, otherwise he always did i'tikaf, and in the last ten day, uh, last year of his life, he did i'tikaf for 20 days. That's really interesting. And there are people, you know, you'd say that, I've never seen anybody doing i'tikaf for 20 days. There are actually quite a few people that do 
Etikaf for 20 days or even sometimes a whole month. Uh, one of my teachers in India, he, he used to do, uh, I mean, I'm not sure because of the corona this year, I don't think it's going to happen. I would doubt it. But he would be there for 20 days or even more days doing Etikaf. And uh, there would be some people that would stay with him for the whole month. But then obviously the bulk would come for the last 10 days. And one of the things the Prophet ﷺ used to do during this time is those were the special nights with Jibreel ﷺ. He used to have meetings with him. Jibreel ﷺ used to come every night and they would review the Qur'an that had been revealed until then. So in the last year, since the whole most of the Qur'an, the overwhelming majority of the Qur'an had been revealed by now, that's why um, he... It seems like maybe that's the reason why he did Aitikaf for 20 days and they would have this meeting with Jibreel every night. Right, number three, the, second, uh, the, the third thing is, well, this is in general that what happens in the last 10 days is that we've been fasting for quite a while now and we've become used to the fasting. It's become a routine now. Uh, the different times that we eat has become a routine. If you've fasted all this time, uh, you've gotten used to it. Um, there are various different physical functions that take place and changes that take place uh, in the body. Um, and sometimes people do have a bit of a low period. But then that's, I, I think that the last 10 days being special really helps to get rid of those lows and gives you a reinvigorated energy. It reinvigorates us. To make sure that, okay, there's only 10 days left. And if you see this year, the, what is today, 20th or something? 1920, right? Um, how fast did that go? It's crazy. I mean, I remember we were starting and there was going to be 30 days. And it seems like a lot, but suddenly they just start whizzing past after the first, second day. I mean, I don't know. Has it gone slow for any of you? I mean, for, for me, it's gone very fast. 20 is a surprise. 19, 20 is a surprise. It seems like 10. You know, that's where, idea, that's where it realistically feels like for me anyway. Right? So it's going very fast. The next 10 days will go out as well. And so fasting in itself, with ev just fasting at any time, there's a benefit in that. Right? It's ketosis and all of these other physical benefits, but there's a spiritual benefit. Even for non-Muslims, there's a benefit. They find benefit. Now, when you've got Muslims doing it, all these virtues that are added Ramadan, the immense amount of virtues, you're getting 70 times the reward for a fard action any other time. That's a huge, you can tell what Allah wants to give us just by that equation. You know when you see there's a shop, is giving buy one, get one free, okay. Or buy two and get one free, then you know that they're, they're not that generous. Buy one, get one free, they're a bit more generous. Closing down sale, buy one, get, get three free. But buy one, get 70 free. You know that, I mean, and then you know that in Arabic, 70 is just an abundance number. It's not necessarily uh, literally taken. It just means abundant, 70, like 100. You know, that's the way we do it. So Allah wants to just, He just wants to give in abundance. And that comes to a head, I mean, gives an, one, and all of that is put into perspective when you hear about Laylatul Qadr. Khayru min alfi shahr. Allah didn't want to, I mean, he could have said, how many days? How many days is that? That's 93 years, I think, or something, right? And I don't know how many number of days they are, but could have had to, you would have had to put that into the surah, but al-fushar just sounds cool. 
thousand months that does the equation. That's 93 years of worship for that one night now. So you can tell what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is offering that on this one night or on this one day, uh, like the, uh, people are going to come, you can come in and take your cart and you can fill up whatever you want. This is more than that. This is not just fill up your cart for one day, for a thousand months you can keep filling up your cart. That's how much we're going to give you in one night. This is just abundant, it's mind boggling, there's just no equation here. Right? That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give us during this time. That gives you the idea of what's available. But it doesn't mean we're all going to get it. Those who make an effort, they will get it. It's there for the taking. But if somebody doesn't even go to the store on that day, and then he goes afterwards and says, where's all the deals gone? They're finished now. Right? So that's why it's important to consider this in that way. And fasting, so when you know all of this, the, fa the fast will improve the Ramadan will improve because you know that that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give you and it's all unavailable. So let me try to get as much as possible. This is generally human greed, isn't it? When you know there's a lot available then you'll go and take as much as you can. Especially when they don't even feel bad about you taking stuff. Sometimes they've got stuff outside the masjid, kajur's dates or whatever. And you know that you should just be taking one or two. And it's a bit embarrassing to take a whole handful. But when the one who's giving you says, take as much as you want, there's enough for everyone, literally. You're still going to feel a bit, no, 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 literally take, I'm trying to get rid of this. I've got lots. That's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us. So then why, how can we be deprived of that? So that's Ramadan is the time then that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perfects a person. And lots of people have observed this, that the, their Ramadan is what changed their life. Ramadan and Hajj generally act as two really major factors. Ramadan, anybody can use it. Hajj is maybe a bit for the elite that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls specially. But Ramadan, it comes to you. Whereas Hajj, you have to go to it. But Ramadan comes to everybody. It's an opportunity for everybody. And lots of people have changed their lives during the month of Ramadan. Now, this Laylatul Qadr, so the idea is that the Laylatul Qadr is going to be in one of the last odd nights of the month. It could be, I mean, there are views that it could be in any of the 10 nights of the month. Last 10, right? It could be in any of them. There are also other views that it could be in the first 20 days. But as we get more intense, the stronger views are that it's in the last 10 days. Stronger still is that it's within the odd nights of the last 10 days. And then the strongest view, it seems, the most probable view, opinion, is that it's on Laylatul Qadr, which is the 27th or Laylatul Qadr is on the 27th. But it's been observed in the, on the 25th, it's been observed on the 21st as well. So we don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket. The idea is to increase in the last 10 days, in general, more than we've done in the, last in the first 20. And at least in the UK, the nights are getting a bit shorter, which means that you could probably start staying awake fully, at least on some days. So then you try to do that, and then what you do is you... In the odd nights, you do more than the regular, uh, more than the even nights. So you're increasing your chances. And then the 27, you just go all out. What night is going to be the 27 this year? The two possibilities. Does anybody check that out? Um, is it going to be a Friday or something? Or is it going to be a weekend? I, I take it a day at a time, so I never know these things. I don't even know it, huh? 
what day is that? Tuesday, oh, it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, so it's going to be a work day for people. So maybe if you can, if you've got the luxury of taking a day off work, then you can spend the night, and then at least the day you can sleep. Allah make it easy. So now, what is Laylatul Qadr? Let's get an answer. Every year this night comes, and people translate it in different ways. The night of Qadr. What does Qadr mean? So there are approximately at least three views in regards to what Laylatul Qadr refers to, and that really Im, Im, informs us of the significance of this night. The first opinion is that this is the night of destiny, because the word Qadr means destiny. Qadr means to predestine, to decree something, and to plan. So that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, what he plans and has written. I mean, Allah already knows, but this is what may be written uh, for the angels to know, or however, whatever the case is. Uh, so this is the night of destiny, right? The night of destiny. And this is the night in which all people's predestinations and decrees are written, and what's going to happen maybe for the next year. That's what's written. The second opinion is that Qadr, also the word Qadr is also used for status, honor. So this is the night of honor, the night of dignity, the night of greatness. That's another idea. And it is, it's the night in which was chosen for, for the Quran to be revealed. Number three is it's called Qadr, again, a night of value. So in this case, it would be night of value, the meaning, because of the huge rewards that are attained in it. As you can tell, the second and third opinions are very similar because there's huge rewards attained in it, so that's why it gives you huge value. And that's why it's a night of honor, right? That it includes huge rewards in it. So it's Al-Ajru Al-Azim, Al-Ladi Yatahassalu what a Muslim is able to attain during this night, what he's able to pick up in terms of the offers that are on and the rewards and everything, no other night. That's why it's a special night called Qadr. That's why there's a hadith which is related by Imam Bukhari and Muslim from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Man qama laylat al-qadri imanan wahdisaban. Generally, this hadith is quoted as general as whoever stands the night of Ramadan. But in this particular case, it's whoever stands the night of Qadr with Iman and Ihtisab. Then all of his past sins will be forgiven. Iman with faith, Ihtisab with anticipation with a certain desire, with a certain reckoning, a certain calculation in your mind that this is what I want from Allah from this night. That's ihtisab. That's kind of what I ascertain. That's kind of what I reckon that I'm going to get. And what is really interesting is that our job is to make an effort and have iman and ihtisab. The benefit of those people in i'tikaf is that they get this night. In the masjid, right? So they've spent that night in the masjid, and what better place for that, right? That's one of the benefits of the etikaf as well. Uh, 
right? Is that you get Laylatul Qadr regardless, even if you're sleeping through it. Because you're still doing a good deed of i'tikaf. You can't say that for home, can you? That I'm going to sleep all these nights and I'll still get it. It's going to pass by because there's no action that we're doing. I mean, unless you can justify by saying I've prayed my Fajr and Isha in, in the masjid. So that way I'm going to be seen as, I'm going to be treated as somebody who's stayed, um, st- stood the whole night. That's a secondary kind of way though, right? That's why it's a good idea to do something. Right? And I think in England it's actually much easier to do it. I'm not sure in Pakistan what the time is these days, but in, India, uh, in England it's quite easy to do this, inshallah. That's why the ulama really stress that you don't have to know which night it is. Right? It's anna al-ajra, no, anna ajra qiyamiha mutahakkakun bi mujarradi ihtisabiha duna ishtirati al-ilmi biha. This is something that really gives a lot of comfort that the reward for standing in that night will be established, will be given to you as long as you've stood in those nights and you've done some tahajjud prayer and done some other worship. That will be realized just by hoping that you're going to get it. As long as your intention is there that I want to get Laylatul Qadr, you don't even have to know that that was a night of Qadr. So don't get, I, I, I never ask around like, what night do you think it was? Because at the end of the day, I mean, nobody's going to know for sure, right? We don't, I mean, I don't have that kind of unveiling and special in divine intuition that, hey, this is the night of Qadr. Just make an effort on all of those nights and go with probability and make an extra on 27, right? And there you go. Now, you see the benefit of the people in Atikaf is that they're retreated to the masjid. They don't have any other obligation. So they can actually make their night the way they want it every single night. And remember, in anything, anybody will tell you that if you want to get the best out of something, you have to have um, a timetable, a schedule, and that works best. If you think, okay, when it comes, I'm, I'll do a bit extra here and there. No, write down today because, you know, we're not into it yet. It's starting, right, soon. So write down exactly what you want to do. That I must do at least this much uh, during this night. Or these nights, rather, every day. And then when it comes to the 27, I'm going to maybe do this much extra. That's, that would be the best. That's what works for me. And I'm sure, inshallah, it should work for everybody else. And it's probably worked for you guys as well. We reveal this Quran in the night of Qadr. People know the Quran, the importance, and we chose the night of Qadr for this. Then he says, Have you ever pondered over that part? Like, do you know what this Laylatul Qadr is? Do you know what this night of destiny is? Like, you guys are missing something. Like, do you know what's going on? You know, the, the, there's a sale at this store. And you're like, okay. It's a sale like any other sale. No, no, this is a proper sale like this. You never heard of it. And then Allah continues, proceeds to explain that it's better than a thousand months. This is one of the styles of the Quran, to ask a question, to engage and to make you think and ponder. That's why Allah literally asked the question, do you know what Laylatul Qadr is? Now, because this is also the night in which, according to that first opinion, our sustenance, provisions, and decrees are being written, 
then it's also a night in which Allah is going to send blessings. There's blessings and barakah during this night. Allah says that in the Quran, right? There is the descent of Jibreel alayhi salam. The other angels come and I don't know, I wish we could, if we could get a glimpse of this, but just imagine the world is, the night is there, right? And suddenly it's all quiet and you just suddenly start seeing these angels just streaming down. That's what happens. تَنَزَّلُوا malaika وَالْرُوحُ فِيهَا بِإِذْنِ رَبِّهِمْ مِنْ كُلِّ أَمْنٍ سَلَامٌ هِيَ حَتَّى And there's just peace. I would, I, I would give anything to be able to see these angels, these angelic beings just streaming around in the world, just descending from the heavens. What an awesome sight that would be. Right? That's exactly what's happening in that night. We take this, all of this on faith, obviously. This is based on our faith. So if so many angels are descending and angels are pure, you can imagine the blessings that are available on that night. So when you ask Allah, it's there. You will receive it. That's what we get from this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةٍ مُبَارَكَةٍ إِنَّا كُنَّا مُوذِرِينَ Another verse. We revealed it. We caused it to descend in a blessed night. So this is the night where you get tranquility. If you've had depression, if you've had anxieties, this is the night to ask for uh, a relief from these things. Uh, there's salam and peace. There is tuma'nina, which is itmi'nan and tranquility. That is at this time. This is all the time. If that's the case, then it means that it is the time to repel punishments from a person. It's the night to make tawbah. It's the night to make tawbah. For and, and repent from our misdeeds. And truly it's a night when most people feel like they, they need to do this as long as they know about this. See, this is what the Prophet ﷺ said. He said, Ramadan, the blessed month, Atakum Ramadan. Ramadan has come to you, which is a blessed month. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has farad Allahu Azza wa Jalla alaykum siyama. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated in it for you its fasting. And then the other, the other part of the hadith you must have heard at the beginning of Ramadan, the doors of the heaven, in this case it says the doors of the heavens are opened up, the doors of hellfire closed, the, the, the shayateen are locked, shackled in this case. Then Allah says, this is relevant to these last nights, لِلَّهِ فِيهِ لَيْلَةٌ خَيْرٌ مِنْ أَلْفِ Allah has a night in there, which is superior to a thousand months. مَنْ حُرِمَ خَيْرُهَا مَنْ حُرِمَ Anybody who's going to be deprived of the goodness and virtues of this night, then he has been deprived. So it shows that it's actually a deprivation because it's so easy to attain. Just by some worship during that night and some du'as, etc. That means all of this goodness is available for that. The, the other hadith mentions here that when the Prophet, uh, the, the Prophet ﷺ, upon the entry of these last 10 days, he would himself stay awake. He would stay awake and enliven the night and he would wake his family up. That means what we need to be doing is we need to doing this collectively, inshallah. And the men of the house, or whoever's the boss of the house, whoever wears the trousers, whoever claims to wear them at least, so we'll give them that responsibility, right? They need to wake their family up. Because I think if you do it as a group effort, why wouldn't you want to wake your family up? Don't you do it? There's an offer somewhere. And it's five per person, 
So you take three of your family members, so you get 15. It's beneficial. You say, no, I don't do that. Well, you better do this for this. Forget the world. But for this, this is what you want to do. That's why make a schedule with your family, with your children, everybody involved, that this is what we need to do. That it will make it easier. And don't we want our family to also gain the rewards? Don't we want them to be protected from hellfire? What I would also suggest, I found this to be very useful, is that if you have children, or just different family members in us, but especially if you've got children, at one time of the day, whether that be at iftar time, just before iftar, whether that be at the end of suhoor time, whether that be some other time after tarawih, if you're praying tarawih at home, let different people prepare the dua and do it. And you'll be interested because uh, the assumption is that in Ramadan people are making a lot of du'as. So what we found very useful is that rather than me make the du'a every day, which is fine, uh, the next day my wife will do it, then my sons will do it, my daughter will do it, and even the 10-year-old will do it. And it's really interesting what they come up with. You, they will make du'as that you, know, you would not have thought of. It teaches them how to make du'a. This is our tarbiyah for our children as well. It works very, very well. And of course, don't expect them to do it by heart right at the beginning unless they want to do that. Tell them, use a piece of paper, write down your du'as. So I, you know, I'll tell them, write down your du'as. So they would write it down on a piece of paper. And then tell them, you can actually read it out from there. I mean, Allah's going to accept that even if you read it out from a paper, even for adults. Right? So that, that uh, works very well. Gets them, how else are we going to teach our children to do du'a? You can tell them, do it, but let's let them do it. And of course, they could make mistakes, they could hesitate and things like that, but let them off, you know, let, don't, don't make fun of them, just encourage them. It's very good, mashallah. So that will be very, very useful as well. The next thing that we also want to do during these last 10 days, because they're days of goodness, is that we want to expand our giving, our giving and charity to our family, right? and to neighbors, and to the Muslim Ummah in general, and especially those who are in trouble, are subjugated, oppressed, uh, are needy. Um, it's a time of, <clears throat> it's a, if Ramadan, the entire Ramadan is a time of generosity. You can tell how generous Allah is by maximizing the benefits of a fard prayer and so on, closing the doors of hellfire and so on and so forth. And then you see that people give a lot of donations. So you can see that Allah has caused this generosity to alight in the hearts of people that they feel more generous. So why should we be left behind? So if you've been giving in Ramadan anyway, the last 10 days should be even more. And especially if you can somehow give in the, on Laylatul Qadr. And again, that gets complicated. But the idea, this, what some people do is actually stand, uh, they set up a direct debit on the last 10 days of the month. Some people do it for the whole month, but some do it for the last 10 days. And if you want, you can really be, you can do it for the odd nights and you can give your largest chunk on the 27th. But I wouldn't waste my time on the 27th, like trying to figure it all out. I would prepare it beforehand. So maybe today have um, with your family, maybe make a decision that we are going to donate this much. You know, because you want to encourage your family to do so. I think Ramadan needs to be done as a family, you know, individually, because we're teaching, I'm saying. That's what we're teaching. If you're, if you're the head of the household, if you're a responsible person of the household. 
then that's what we should be doing. And then try to have that all organized. The other things that we can do during that night, remember, it's not just about standing in tahajjud. You might say, I don't know so much Quran, what am I going to do? It's not, that's not necessary. You can do any worship during that night and it all has a huge benefit. But tilawatul Quran, um, even reflection on the Quran during that, it doesn't have to be just reading the Quran. You can actually sit and reflect on the Quran, read a few verses, a few surahs or whatever, and just reflect over it. All of that will be considered to be part of your worship on that day because that should increase and um, that should help you in your worship. Then of course you can do salawat and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You can do du'as. You have to have a big chunk as du'as. Do a salatu tasbih, right? Do a salatu tasbih. Do some other dhikr. Again, just how many hours are you going to spend? And according to that, have a list of things. When you get bored of one thing, you or weary of one thing, you start the next thing. You start the next thing. You start, and that is what, as a human being, really, really helps to keep afresh and and stay awake and do the different things and not get too bored about it. Uh, one thing that we try to do on the night of Ramadan, which is a bit of an undertaking, but it's not difficult, um, is to read the entire Hizb al-A'zam. And one of the, the reason for that is it's got, why Hizb al-A'zam? I think it's one of the best collections that I know of in terms of comprehensiveness. There's lots of collections of du'as, but this one, it's... All the du'as in there that we should be asking Allah. It has all the du'as in there that we should be asking Allah. Whether we realize it that we should ask Him or not, it's all in there. And all the du'as that we should be uh, containing those things that we should be seeking refuge from, it's in there as well. That are evil, harmful for us in this one, the hereafter, it's got it all in there. That's why I try to do a khatam of al-Hizbul Azam. But yeah, that I would suggest that if somebody can do that, they should read aside from all the other worship because you'll get every du'a in it. You can do it every night if you want to, but I'm saying at least for the 27th. For those in i'tikaf, they can probably do it every day. Once a whole day, they just finish up the whole Hizb al-Azam, right? But if you can, you're at home or whatever, then try to do it at least on the 27th, at least one night. Or the night that you think it's your Laylatul Qadr. Now, the other thing is that there's a special dua that we should be doing in all of these nights. Because Aisha radiallahu anha, Allah thank her, Allah reward her. She asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she said, Ya Rasulallah, Ara'ayta in wafaqtu laylatul qadr. What would you, th- what, what do you advise if I catch laylatul qadr? Meaning if I uh, find laylatul qadr, what do you, what do you uh, advise? Ma ad'u, what should I, what dua should I make? So the Prophet said, Allahumma innaka afuun, tuhibbul afwa, fa'fu anni. Oh Allah, you are the forgiver. You're the one who forgives. You love to forgive, so forgive me. Simple, simple dua. Um, we'll try to paste this somewhere in the comments or whatever if you don't have it. Um, otherwise, you'll find it. I mean, everybody knows this. It's quite a popular dua. Now, these are all things we should be doing, right? The one thing that we should not be doing is what? Is wasting time. So, to be honest, sleep would be far superior to wasting time. What do we mean by wasting time today? To basically be browsing. That's one of the biggest wastes of time that people do just casually, can't help it. So, just try to, if you have to go somewhere and check something, understandable. 
or check the time of Fajr or check the time of Tahajr, whatever, understandable. But otherwise, don't browse on that night. Don't waste time just checking uh, extra emails or whatever the case is. Only what's necessary. That's the minimum we can do. And then do some worship and then at least go to sleep. Don't sit around and waste time. That's really what it is. Because that would be a big loss that, okay, you're awake and you don't, you're wasting time. If you at least you're asleep and you've read your du'as, etc., inshallah, even in your sleep, you'll get some reward, inshallah, you know, hopefully. But if, you're rewa- if your sleep is to protect you from doing something wrong, then it'll be rewarding, inshallah. MashaAllah, the sisters, they can do itikaf in their homes. They have to just designate a certain area in one of the rooms. And they can go out to get food. <clears throat> and to obviously um, any other uh, call of nature, etc. They can't go for other reasons. So obviously, if, if they are able to organize it in that way, then they can actually do it at home. Men have to do it in the masjid. The Prophet ﷺ, Abdullah ibn Abbas relates that كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أجود الناس بالخير The Prophet ﷺ was always the most generous person uh, to spend in goodness. He was very generous. Just in general he was anyway, all the time. He would give huge amounts, even normal days. But وَكَانَ أَجْوَدُ مَا يَكُونَ فِي رَمَضَانِ حِينَ يَلْقَاهُ جِبْرِيلِ The most generous that he would be would be in Ramadan when he would meet with Jibreel. I mean, there was just this special, you know, when you meet certain people, you just feel so elated about it that you get really excited and then you're willing to... Because the generosity and miserliness, it's all a state of the heart. So sometimes you're feeling a bit tight and you don't want to give so much. And other thing, you're feeling like on top of the world, like no problem. You know, I can see the barakah and the blessing and I just want to give. You can see. So that's why you do that. And Jibreel alayhi salam, that is one of the benefits that the Prophet sallallahu would get from there when he would meet him in these nights of Ramadan. So the hadith then says that فَإِذَا لَقِيَهُ جِبْرِيلَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ When Jibreel alayhi salam used to meet with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, كَانَ أَجْوَدَ بِالْخَيْرِ مِنَ الْرِيحِ الْمُرْسَلَةِ Prophet sallallahu was more generous with good acts and good, good spending and whatever it was <clears throat> than even the wind. So you know how the wind can just scatter everything? So that's why the Prophet sallallahu would, would do that. Now this is the night when the angels are descending. Now, while we can't see them and he could see them, so it's obviously he has that advantage. But since they are descending, that should, inshallah, cause us to spend more as well. May Allah make it easy. Now, let's just look at a few of the aslaf, uh, our predecessors, and what they used to do. Now, these are not things from the hadith, but this is them trying to interpret the hadith and doing something in their life and in their practice that we can learn from as how they interpreted this and what they would do during this night. It'll just give us ideas. You don't have to do exactly that. You can do whatever you want. Some of them used to actually take a bath and gain special purification on these nights and wear perfume. They're not going out. But they would do, do this because maybe the angels or whatever the case is. So Imam al-Nakha'i, right, who is... In, um, one of the great tabi'een, he would take a bath every single night of the last 10 days. Right? Now, that's not the only thing you're going to do. This is not from the hadith. This is just his interpretation of wanting to be pure. 
Likewise, Abu Ayyub, uh, Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani, another great person of the past, he used to also take a bath and then use perfume. And then he used to, for some reason on the 23rd night and the 24th night of Ramadan, for maybe something he's seen, right, that that may be his night, he used to wear new clothes. Out of welcome for that. Now that's not a sunnah. To that, this is just his interpretation. So don't you start doing that saying, that's the only thing I'm going to wear some new clothes on that day. Right? And it's just his way of doing that. If you've got the right sentiment that this is a special night, the angels are going to be there, I want to just be at my best and be... Because when you wear good clothes, not show-off clothes, but good clothes, new clothes, you feel clean. You feel, you know, there's a kind of a reawakening uh, almost. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, it's also related, now this is a Sahabi now, it's related from him that he used to also take a bath, he used to also put a perfume on, and for some reason they were doing this on the 24th night. Not sure why on the 24th night, not being able to work that out. It's also something similar has been related from Thabit al-Bunani and Humayd al-Tawil. They would choose on that day the best of the clothing they had and they would wear it for those nights. Now that doesn't mean you have to be you know, in a formal clothing. You could be in some brand new pajamas. I don't think so, no. Because pajamas are not seen to be respectful. So if you're doing this out of respect for something, then you would wear something that is dignified and respectful. Right, dignified and respectful. So it's related from Thabit that Tamim al-Dari radiallahu anhu had purchased a garment for a thousand dinar. That's a lot of money. That's a huge amount of money, right? For a thousand dinar, he used to wear it only on Laylatul Qadr. He had a special Laylatul Qadr garment. Now this is private. This is not like you wear it to go outside with. This is private just between you and Allah. Right? He would not wear it at any other time. He would only wear it on Laylatul Qadr. Likewise, you know we said that they used to wake their families up. It's an encouragement. The hadith says so. It's related from Sufyan al-Thawri rahmatullahi alayhi. That he used to wake up his family uh, to do the qiyam of the last ten nights. And he said... When the last ten nights enter, he should do tahajjud himself and make an extra effort. And then he should try to wake up his family and his children for salat as well, if they're able to do so. So don't wake the babies up. But if they're able to do so, whoever can do so. This is what Umar ibn al-Khattab used to do as well. He used to do his own tahajjud first. When he used to reach halfway point of the night, then he used to wake his family up. So in many of our cases, the wives may be doing more than the husbands. You know, already. They're, they're the ones waking up the husbands. Come on, man, there's 10 minutes left. Get a few rakats in, have a, have a date. And Umar radiallahu anhu's uh, verse that he used to use for this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَاسْطَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقًا نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكَ وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلتَّقْوَىٰ وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ بِالصَّلَاةِ You should command your family to pray salat as well and you should remain steadfast upon it as well. We're not going to ask you for any sustenance. Right? 
We're the ones who are sustaining you, Allah says. And the good ending is for those with taqwa, is for God consciousness. The other thing is that this was also a night when others, uh, they, they would spend night with the Qur'an. They would do extra Qur'an during this night. And also during the days of the last 10 days, during the last 10 days themselves. For example, it's related from Qatada radiallahu anhu. That he would do a khatam of the Qur'an every three days. Three days he would do khatam. Normally, normally in Ramadan. فَإِذَا دَخَلَتِ الْأَشْعَشْرُ الْأَوَاخِرُ But when the last 10 days would come, he would do one khatam every night. Now, somebody asked this question the other day that um, that's, they've heard of prohibitions for doing khatam in less than three days or less than seven days. Yeah, that's on a normal basis, it's there. And that's normally if it's going to cause you to read without um, fulfilling the rights of the Qur'an, the rights of tajweed and so on. But for those who are able to read more in a dignified, respectful way, and there's a lot of people who used to be, who you can do that even today. And so it is allowed. That is not an absolute prohibition that you just cannot do it, that is haram. It's not like that. Some people take it as haram that you can't do it and they prohibit everybody from doing so. If somebody wants to do it, let them do it. If they can do it, let them do it. Yes, if they're not doing it correctly, then encourage them to do it correctly. So it's not an absolute prohibition. It's a, re- it's a general kind of prohibition for those who cannot do it properly. And there's other reasons given as well. Aswad ibn Yazid, rahimahullah, he used to do a khatam, khatam means a completion, in Ramadan every two nights. Right? That was his, he would do it 15, 15 Jews a day. Imam Shafi, it's related from him, I don't know how he did this, how many hours in his day he had. Seriously? Right? Nowadays, if you want to get more days in your, uh, if you want more days, I don't think you'll do it. You can get one, you can get one day to go beyond 24 hours, but the next day, no. You can take a flight from here to Canada, uh, sorry, to, to California, and your day will increase to, I don't know, 27, 28 hours. <laughs> How Imam Shafi, that's his karama, he would complete two Qurans in a day. He would complete two Qurans in a day. That means 60 times in Ramadan, and there's others like that as well. How? I have no idea. But once you understand the meaning of the Qur'an, see, because when you're reading so fast, it's very difficult to concentrate on the meaning. But if you know the meaning, you know the tafsir very well, then it's easy. Because it's just like you're breezing past and it's a fast journey through the Qur'an. So they could do this. The other thing, at least, this is easy, inshallah, as many salats as you can, in the masjid with takbiratul ihram, with the first takbir. So it's related from A'mash, Imam al-A'mash, that he would not abandon the first takbir. I mean, there's many, many people who would never abandon There's so many people who've done that, even of recent times, who've never missed their first takbir, hardly ever. But, you know, this is something special. At least in the month of Ramadan, we should try to do this, inshallah, for as many salats as we can in the masjid. If you're working, obviously, then try to do a jama'ah in the masjid. Try to do, if you can, try to do at least every salat you have in wherever you are in a congregation. Whether that be in the masjid or when you're not in the masjid, when you're at work or whatever the case, then do it at least with your family. But try to do everything with a jama'ah rather than pray alone, the fard prayers. So I think that gives us 
some scope of what we're supposed to enter into. May Allah give us a tawfiq for this. And as I said, these are not necessarily things that you've never heard of before. You know, some of these things may be new. I mean, I've learned a few things when I did this research for this today, right? Uh, about some of these things. You don't have to wear new clothes on there. This is just their way of honoring the night. You can have some other way of honoring the night. But the main thing is the worship. These people didn't just sit around with nice clothes on that night, right? And not do any worship. I have done my part because it's not a sunnah. This was just a complementary aspect that just showed what else they were doing. That if they were willing to buy a special garment for this, you can imagine their honor that they would pray and do all of these things. And keep us in your du'as as well. If there's any questions, let's just take them today before we do our du'a. If you're not able to do itikaf and you're not able to, to stay in the masjid. What can you do? Well, you see, staying in the masjid, that's the only... Uh, the only thing that you can only do in the masjid is stay in the masjid. So if you can't do that, you can still do everything else that you would do in the masjid, you can do at home. Which means your tilawah, your dhikr, your salat, everything otherwise can be done at home anyway. So it would just be a collection of all of those things that you would do. Just that you wouldn't get... See, the benefit of being in the masjid is that you're safe from meeting with people that you don't need to meet, right? You're with just other believers in the masjid. That's one of the benefits of etikaf is that you're just with believers. You're not going to just see anything else at all, right? And you're going to see the committed believers because they're the ones who are going to come for prayer. Uh, you're not going to get distracted, hopefully, but your phone is a distraction. That's the problem. That's the benefit of etikaf, that you're in a safe zone. Whereas at home, it's not that safe sometimes. That's the only difference. Otherwise, do everything else according to the schedule that you make. What's the best ibadah to on the night? I'd, I, I, um, is read that dua. So I think dua would be one big ibadah. But you wouldn't do dua. It depends on how much time you want to spend. First, determine how much time you want to spend. If you can do the whole night, that's fine. But then what are you going to do for that whole night? Then, you know, you, you can't, I don't think, I, I don't know if anybody can do dua for five, six hours. Because eventually you run out of duas and you run out of emotion. And there's no point sitting there just like that. I mean, there may be, but I'm saying do something else. Read Quran, whatever, and then go, go back. And, I mean, Allah's given you several hours. So just like on the Arafah, you do dua, you do some other worship, then go back and do some more duas. You recall some more duas and you do more duas. So <clears throat> as I say, one of the ways I get around that is I do my personal duas. And then I do al-Hizbul Azam where I get all the other prophetic duas and the Quranic duas. So I find that to be very useful. So I get a whole collection of du'as. That's why I'm recommending that. And then re reading the Quran during that night as well is another. Right? If somebody doesn't understand Arabic, would it be better to read a translation of the Hizbul Adham? If you've got both of it, to, it's a difficult one. I, I, I'm not, I, I can't put myself in that mode. Because, you know, when you're reading, we understand it. Um, I would... I don't know what is better because on the one hand if, if it's a prophetic dua then those words are amazing but then you don't know what you're reading so what I would suggest is the compromise is that you read and you check the meaning or read the meaning then read the Arabic dua I think that would be really good read the meaning and then read the Arabic dua so you'll have all the sentiment in there using the words of the Prophet or the Quran so let's do that that's up to you how you want to spend your time between Maghrib and Isha you know, I can't dictate, uh, you know, nobody can, because for everybody, whatever's convenient is for them to do. 
So it depends on when you want to do your worship. Do you want to do the bulk of your worship? When do you want to do it? Do you want to do it from Maghrib to Isha? And then do Tarawih and then just go to sleep because you have to sleep or whatever? Then, then you spend that night. So it just depends. If you have it all scheduled that, okay, between Maghrib to Isha, this is what I'm going to do with our family, whatever, right? Then after Tarawih, this is what I'm going to do. And then if I do have to sleep, then I'm going to sleep for this night. Then I'm going to wake up at this time again. If you know that you're you just find it difficult to wake up, then do bulk before you go to sleep and then just sleep at the last bit if you need to. And if you don't need to sleep, then organize that way. I've given you the different suggestions, but I can't tell you exactly what to do during that night. Qiyamul Layl is always better at home. This is where the Prophet Sallallahu used to do it. Uh, there's a hadith from Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. His aunt, auntie was married to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Maymuna radiallahu anhu. So one day he said, can I spend the night, you know, with... Uh, in, the, in that same room So the Prophet ﷺ stood up in the night That's where he used to do tahajjud the Pro- I, don't, I don't know if the Prophet ﷺ ever did tahajjud in the masjid Even though it was next door It was adjoining him Tahajjud is a private prayer Remember that I don't know if there's any hadith to show that tahajjud is ever done in jama'ah Tahajjud is a private prayer People have made this into a congregation in the masjid right? You've got tarawih for that right? So do tarawih in the masjid and then the tahajjud do yourself. Now, understandable that if you've got a friend who's a hafiz of the Qur'an, you just too want to do it, understandable. But to have these congregations, at least in the Hanafi school, this is makruh, right? And the reasoning behind it is that there's not much evidence for it to have happened. And number two, it, it's a private worship. Tahajjud is, mashallah, you know, uh, done by yourself. So I would say do it at home. Is it better to do qadha prayer or tahajjud? I would say qadha prayer at that time and you'll get the reward of tahajjud. So I would definitely suggest to qadha prayer at that time with an intention for qadha prayer, but because it's being done at tahajjud time, inshallah, you'll be rewarded. Yes, you can do tafsirs during this night. Some pondering over that, right? Um, so you can read tafsir, you can ponder. It will be a very reflective moment as well. So you can do that. Um, but, you know... What I want to mention is that I would probably think that it, it would depend on the person. For some people, maybe tafsir would be even more illuminating and reflective over, uh, for example, just reading. Tafsir generally is anyway. Um, is it superior to dua? I would say that there's nothing exclusive. So when you are doing your reflective reading... The reflective reading is actually supposed to create in you a zeal and a desire. Do it the way the Prophet ﷺ used to do it in tahajjud. Now, if you're not hafiz of the Qur'an, you don't know the tafsir, so it's difficult. When he used to do those long tahajjuds at home, he used to stop at any place where there was a discussion about hellfire, seeking refuge, or whatever, and then seek refuge. If there was a place about good and forgiveness and paradise and so on, he would stop and do that. So if you're doing reflective, interactive reading like that, with that engagement, then that would be superior. Right? About the women's i'tikaf, <clears throat> about the women's i'tikaf, the way to do it is to designate a room, a place in a room that generally is going to be the place that you generally do prayer. But if that's going to be in the busiest room and you're going to get distracted, what you do is then you just say, okay, I designate this place for my prayer. You can do that in a bedroom. So then you have to just stay there. You can have your essentials there as well. You are, if there's nobody to bring you food conveniently, nobody reasonably to bring you food and other necessities, then you can go to get food. You can go to get food, you can go to relieve yourself, right? And 
other than that, I mean, it's all the other requirements for a man. It's the same kind of thing. If you do go out of this place, you would have broken your itikaf. If you, if you go out without any uh, reason, or you went out for some other reason, somebody came to the door and there was nobody to open the door, you would break your itikaf, your sunnah itikaf. Then you could just do a nafal optional itikaf, but you wouldn't get the 10-day itikaf. Otherwise, it's all the same rulings of itikaf, and you can check that in the other books, because otherwise I'll have to mention all the rulings of itikaf. But then, otherwise, you just, again, have the same schedule, um, and you... Spend your time. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta ya dal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Ya akram al akramin, ya khayr al mas'ulin, wa ya khayr al mu'teen, ya ma'din al judi wal karam, ya dal jalali wal ikram, ya Allah have mercy upon us. This Ramadan month is passing by. Ya Allah, it is. Two-thirds have, been, have nearly been completed. Ya Allah, we are entering these last ten days. O oh Allah, do not, deprive us of the good, do not deprive us of the goodness of this month. O oh Allah, whatever little that we have done, O oh Allah, accept it. Allow us to do even more. Allow us to become closer to you than we've been before in any other month of Ramadan. O oh Allah, make the last ten days better than the previous twenty days. O oh Allah, allow us to stay above all. Allow us to stay close to you even after the month of Ramadan. O oh Allah, allow this Ramadan to be the change of our life, to be the time when we become better people, when we make it a source of abandonment of bad habits that we may have, of our shortcomings, of our excesses, O oh Allah, of our sins that have crept into our life. O oh Allah, forgive us our sins. O oh Allah, we are mostly worried about our sins that we have forgotten about, that we no longer even remember that we may never make tawbah from them. O oh Allah, forgive us even those. You know every sin of ours. You know every transgression of ours. Everything is written in the books. And O oh Allah, this will come to light on the day of judgment. Ya Allah, we ask you forgiveness for it so that we don't find any surprises in the hereafter. O oh Allah, we ask that you especially weed out for us all of those sins that have now become part of our life. We don't even consider them sins. O oh Allah, many of us have justified sins have justified that we, we are allowed to do them or that they're no longer sins or that they are not sins. Oh Allah, allow us discernment and correct understanding. We don't want to come up on the day of judgment and expect that we'd been doing good when we'd actually been doing wrong. Oh Allah, that is the description of the disbelievers. Oh Allah, do not allow that description to apply to us. Oh Allah, allow us to be knowledgeable about our faith. Allow us to be close to you. O oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whose love will benefit us in your court. O oh Allah, we have tried for so many years, we've been trying. And Ya Allah, we keep failing. We get these inspirations to become better people, to change our lives, to abandon the wrongs that we may be, we may be <clears throat> indulging in. But O oh Allah, it doesn't stay for long. We get these fleeting thoughts, these fleeting inspirations. O oh Allah, make this permanent for us. O oh Allah, how long will we continue doing these things for? When will the time come that we will change? When will, be the, when will the time come that we will become close to you and your servants? O oh Allah, make us your servants. O oh Allah, make us the way you want us to be. O oh Allah, we cannot do this without your assistance. Nobody can worship without your assistance. 
Oh Allah, it's only those that you allow to worship, you enable to worship. Oh Allah, we thank you that you have given us the ability to raise these hands today. We see this even as a good sign. Oh Allah, we see this even as a good sign that we're able to raise our hands and to ask you. And we hope that this means that you're going to now give us because we are raising our hands to you and you've allowed us to raise our hands to you. Oh Allah, everything is from your enablement. Oh Allah, allow us to remain on the right side. Allow us to be of the people of the right side on the Day of Judgment. Infuse us, us with your Qur'an. Make us students of the Qur'an. Make us learners of the Qur'an. Make us teachers of the Qur'an. Make us inspired by the Qur'an. Make us live by the Qur'an. Ya Allah, make us live by the Qur'an. Make us <clears throat> alive through the Qur'an. Oh Allah, make us knowledgeable about the Qur'an. Oh Allah, allow the Qur'an then to protect us from hellfire and to defend us. O oh Allah, then allow the Qur'an to intercede for us and allow us to enter paradise. O oh Allah, then allow the Qur'an to raise our status and cause us to ascend in paradise. O oh Allah, the Qur'an is, are your words. This is your words. O oh Allah, allow us to have a life full, <coughs> full of connection with the Qur'an, living by the Qur'an, and do not allow us to ever neglect the Qur'an and forgive us for our past neglect of it. Allow us to improve in our tajweed, in our reading. In, uh, in how much we read, in how much we understand, O oh Allah, open up the Qur'an for us. And O oh Allah, benefit us from the Qur'an, especially during this month. If we don't benefit from the Qur'an during this month, when are we going to benefit from it? O oh Allah, forgive our shortcomings in this regard and our discrepancies. And O oh Allah, do not deprive us any longer. Assist us, grab us by the forelocks and enter us into Jannatul Firdaus. Write us in, this, in these nights to be freed from the hellfire. Oh Allah, accept. Oh Allah, accept from all of those who organize these programs, who make an effort for others. Oh Allah, bless them and their families. And oh Allah, bless all of those who are here, who are listening, and those who will listen. Oh Allah, accept all of us for the service of your deen. Oh Allah, accept us all for the service of your deen. Make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Make every subsequent day of Ramadan better than the previous day. And by that, change our lives. By that, change our lives so that we become close to you. Oh Allah, above all, allow us to remain close to you even after the month of Ramadan. Do not let this just be a moment of exhilaration. And then after that, we go back to normal and we continue to do the wrongs that we may have been doing before. Oh Allah, accept from us and help and assist the Muslims around the world, wherever they are, whether they're suffering from COVID. Oh Allah, assist humanity and allow us to be worthy of your mercy, to remove this pandemic. Oh Allah, allow us to be, allow the Ummah to be worthy of your mercy again. Allow us to learn the lessons from this that you intend by this. Do not allow us to remain blind. Oh Allah, do not let us remain blind of this. Oh Allah, we are in a relatively safe position right now in some countries, while in other countries they're suffering. Oh Allah, remove their suffering and protect that you send your abundant blessings on our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun salamun ala al-masihin alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.